was mine while I was there. The whole purpose of John Adams Academy, the reason that they opened, was to restore America's heritage by creating servant leaders. Each scholar attending there was to leave a servant leader for their country, ready to stand for what was true, lead by example, and help make future decisions that would affect the world. The way we became servant leaders was not only by studying great literature and being educated by great philosophers such as Plato, Aristotle, Nietzsche, and Dostoevsky. It was by following our ten core values set by the founders of the school. Now, these included modeling what we teach, having appreciation of our national heritage, fostering creativity and entrepreneurial spirit, and building a culture of greatness. Those are just some of them. Um, Using these tools and being educated to the highest degree possible, we were sent out to change the world. Now, I'm not trying to promote my school, even though it's a wonderful school. I think all your kids should go there. Plus, Justin Groff is a teacher there this year. I'm actually taking you through a a thought process I had of purpose and goals. See, the goal of John Adams Academy was to restore America's heritage by making me a servant leader for my country. I became one by learning and living the tools of the ten core values inside of school and out. I studied about the history of America and began to love to learn. I graduated, and now I'm ready to make a difference. This got me thinking. School is a big part of my life, and my parents definitely know this, but God is bigger. I want to do well in my studies, but I can't study if God isn't helping me breathe. God is the provider of everything. I don't have school. I don't have life without him. If I know exactly what I should be accomplishing in school, shouldn't I know what the creator of the universe wants me to accomplish? Shouldn't I be focusing more on what his plans are for me and for our church? When I work, what is God's plan for me? When I make friends, what are God's plans for me? As his people, what are we supposed to do? Who are we to be? How are we to be servant leaders for God? What does a servant leader for God look like? I had to write a senior thesis and present it to my school a few weeks before graduation. The topic was, what is a servant leader and what does it look like? I started with this little story. A voyager stands with his crew at the bow of his ship. White knuckles grip the wood and gray eyes dart about. The wind screams like a cougar in the black forest and thunder roars like a lion. The waves are licking the boat, taunting it by throwing it to its neighboring waves. Back and forth, the boat creaks with fear, the rotting wood unable to bear the burden of standing up to the storm. The sails start to tear, ripping their beautiful white clothes. Mist smacks the tethered cheeks of the sailors, their skin soaked and cold. They are ready to die. They have surrendered to the sea. The ocean is ready to swallow them up at any moment, along with all the other ships already down at the depths of its waters. It's done. Then, from a distance, a white speck flashes in the fog. It pierces through the rain and creates a line of brightness through the chaos. The voyager recognizes the sign right away. A lighthouse. They are safe. And during the tempest for just a short while longer, the men make it safely to shore. Kissing the ground, the voyager presses his lips against the mud. He wants to thank the keeper of the lighthouse for saving his life and runs to the lighthouse steps ready to kiss the cheeks of the keeper as well. He finds the old man who is struggling to walk. He's dying. The voyager knew what to do. He would take care of the lighthouse the object that saved his life. 
He owed it to the old dying man. He owed it to the world to guide others through their darkest times and lead them to safety. This was the start of something beautiful, something life-changing for both the voyager and everyone he met. This is how we change the world, influencing others in their darkest times, lighting a spark in their hearts which will ignite others, being a servant and a leader. Our duty is to save the lost, mend the broken, and encourage the inspired. I realized as Christians, this is our job, having the love of a servant and the courage of a leader. Maria was born in Mexico to a wealthy family. The Terra Rosa family is traveling on vacation to this month to the beach, the local newspaper would say. The Terra Rosas are throwing another party. As a young girl, Maria always dressed in beautiful dresses, and as she got older, was featured several times on the Mexican Pepsi billboard. One would believe her to be glamorous, lucky, maybe even overprivileged. What many couldn't see on the outside by just looking at her, however, was that her heart, as well as her jewelry, was made of gold. As a teenager, she would sneak out to the streets with her mother's expensive fluffy blankets in hand and hand them out to homeless men and women outside. She opened her home to the less fortunate. She took people to church and fed them huge Mexican meals afterwards. Her heart was compassionate, and love facilitated every area of her life. As she grew older, she married a Costa Rican man and moved to the United States to become a schoolteacher. On vacation with her husband and two young children to Costa Rica one summer, Maria found a little girl. This little girl was dressed in just a pair of panties and was sweeping the dirt floor of her one-room house. Only four years old, she was wide-eyed and curious. She was used to climbing mango trees with her baby brothers on her back and feeding them the juicy fruit as the nectar dripped down their bare bellies. Maria, seeing that this little girl had no clothes and long, dusty hair, felt her heart break. How could such a sweet girl with shining eyes not have shoes? not have clothes. Within minutes of watching her, Maria fell in love with this little girl. She knew she could make a difference. Asking permission to adopt this, girl, this child and give her an education and a home in the United States, she spoke to the little girl's mother, who was just a young girl herself. The little girl's mother pondered for a long time about what she should do, and with love and sacrifice, decided to let Maria adopt her. After making an agreement, my mother was adopted. My mom has grown up in the United States and has had opportunities beyond belief because two women never thought of themselves. They thought only of the welfare of others. Lives were changed. Lives were created because of the love and sacrifice that they showed. Love. Maria's servitude was powered by love. Her love for her fellow man and the compassion that filled her heart was the thing that allowed the change. Love. Love is something that seeps. It drowns out the bad. It waves over like a roaring, powerful ocean. Love captures, rescues, and spreads. With love, hope is granted. Peace is restored. Happiness is reached. Acting with love is one of the most powerful things in the world. Hence Paul's words in 1 Corinthians, and the greatest of these is love. Martin Luther King Jr. led a revolution with love. He fought against discrimination of his people by gentle protest. He had a dream to see his children walk hand in hand with white children. He witnessed his people beaten and thrown off buses and did not violently fight back. A servant must be loving. To make a change, he must love. Mother Teresa stretched her arms to the broken with love. Love for his country guided General George Washington to become the President of the United States. 
Love is powerful. Let me tell you another little story, and I'm, I'm, I think you'll recognize it. There was a man a long time ago who had dirty feet, humble appearance, and who lived among the sinners. He committed his whole life on earth to teaching, serving, and most of all, loving. His love for his people, love for humankind, led him to sacrifice himself on a cross for all the world. He helped, he served, and he loved. Even though he was the only man on earth who didn't sin, he still washed the disciples' feet before supper. He had every right to deserve respect, every right to demand a following, but no, he washed the disciples' feet. He talked to the sinners. He healed the broken. He served because he loved. Why else would he die for our sins? Just because he wanted to? No, he loved us. He loves us. He served because he loved. And this is how we serve. This is how we become servants. We must love our fellow Christians, our fellow neighbors, our fellow enemies. We must love. Jesus loved those who killed him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing, even as they divided up his clothes by casting lots. He forgave them. And I get annoyed at someone who's chewing with their mouth open. (laughs) Jesus died for me and forgave me, showing me the ultimate love that will ever be shown. I am his servant, his people. I can be a servant of love for him. He has shown me love. And I will show others that too. Now, Jay Gatsby loved Daisy. He would stare at the green light across the bay, waiting and wishing. He longed for her and loved her with every fiber of his being, throwing grand, beautiful parties. He did everything possible to bring her back to him. His life was led by passion. Many believe the story The Great Gatsby was written, written by Scott Fitzgerald is simply a comment on the American dream, but it speaks about the soul as well. It speaks of a passion so strong that everything else goes away. It speaks of a powerful love, but not of a love that makes a change. A selfish love. Jay Gatsby was so obsessed with Daisy that he forgot what was important. His whole being was invested in her, so much so that he could never personally find happiness. This selfishness was still called love, but it was a different kind of love. Jay Gatsby died in his own grief, scared and lonely, unlike my grandmother Maria, who died with a title of honor and selflessness. Jay Gatsby is not considered a servant. He loved, but he let, his heart, he let his heart lead his life in a selfish way. In the book Plato's Republic, Socrates speaks of this. Socrates, spoken through Plato, explains the head, the heart, and the stomach as making up the soul and ruling the body. The head, the rational part of the soul, yearns for truth, prudence, and knowledge. The heart searches for honor, being full of spirit and morale. The stomach, the dangerous aspect of the soul, is led by appetite. Food, money, excessive, pa- excessive passion, etc. are all things that have the potential of taking over one's life. Plato says that each of these three aspects of the soul must be balanced per- perfectly to attain justice in the soul. The head must lead then the heart, and lastly the stomach. One must watch for the stomach, taming the lion inside the belly, full of selfish passion and want. Like Jay Gatsby, The stomach has the potential of ruling the soul, twisting love in its purest form to a selfish one, causing the voyager in the soul to be on the brink of death in a tossing sea. We cannot have the mentality of a servant leader with the soul led by the stomach. If we do not truly love, we cannot serve. We are then beginning to serve for the wrong reasons. 
whether it be for credit, recognition, or pride, we begin to become servant leaders with a distorted soul. Our work loses value. Having an aligned soul allows us to love and thus serve purely, becoming true servant leaders. This is all good, but let's make this more personal. We may look at Jay Gatsby and scoff. He wasted his life on passion and twisted love. What a troubled soul, we say. Bless his little heart. However, we're the same way. We love things and we have false idols. We waste away our lives chasing shadows and ghosts when we could have surrendered them and lived a fulfilled life. We lose our focus on the creator of the universe and love other things. Or we may love others, but we do it for the wrong reasons. We may be showing Christian love and carrying out our mission, but just to be better than everyone else. We're just like Jay Gatsby, and our souls need to be aligned by our Heavenly Father. He's the only one that can help us love like servants with a pure heart. We're his people. We can't do it without him. Being a loving servant is half of becoming a servant leader. It builds the persona one must have, the tone that all servant leaders possess as they mend the broken and follow God's mission for their lives, the attitude for spreading his word to all the nations. The other half, however, is having the strength of a leader. Yo, Adrian, I did it. Rocky Balboa is a leader. Fighting in honor of his wife and the pursuit of his passion, he showed courage and strength. Smaller than the other boxers, he was given the, given the name the Italian Chicken as a way to degrade him and his self-confidence. But he did not let that stop him. Rising up as the Italian Stallion, he broke records and achieved his goal. Against all odds, he not only became a hero in boxing, but a better person because of it. He said, it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. It's about how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. (laughs) Rocky Balboa is a fictional character, but the message he portrays is relevant nonetheless. We must have courage to be a leader. We must fight for what we believe in. We must never give up. That's a leader in his truest form. Now, Samuel Adams is the same type of character. He was crazy, wild, and a dreamer. He had the vision that one day we'd be free. He gathered up his fellow patriots and began a revolution, promoting the horror of the Boston Massacre that his cousin was defending in the place of the British. He collected his opinions of the town of Boston, Massachusetts, and became the voice of the movement against the lobster backs and the King of England. Supporting punishments such as tar and feathering and printing propaganda all over town, he seemed extreme to people such as John Adams and some of the other founding fathers. His drive to carry out what he believed in was strong, however. He fought for what he believed in with courage. He knew he may be killed, but he did it anyways. He knew it was best for his country and risked everything to accomplish that dream. The most interesting aspect of Samuel Adams' leadership, however, was not his rambunctious self and his willingness to fight. It was his dream. Just like Martin Luther King Jr., he had a dream that inspired him to become a leader. His leadership didn't one day strike him on the head. His dream did. His inspiration was the voice that told him to be courageous. It told him to keep moving and lead his people in a movement that would change the whole world. Listening to the inspiration is the exciting part of being a leader. Acting on the dream needs courage. When I was in middle school, I witnessed many people getting bullied. There was a group of girls that I was friends with 
that were mean to everyone other than the small group they associated themselves with. They targeted one girl specifically and would move seats at lunch whenever she tried to sit with them or talk to them. They would tease her about the way she dressed and mocked her sad lunches, building themselves up in self-confidence. It was horrible, and I didn't know what to do. Should I stand up for the girl who was getting bullied and lose my friends? Or stand by and watch, keeping my mean friends that I was only associated with for status or to look cool? It took me a while to finally stand up for the bullied girl. I was scared, and I felt alone. I had a very hard time acting on my inspiration to do something. Samuel Adams readily fought for his country, but I was having a hard time sticking up for one person. I felt a need to make a change, but I was lacking the courage and strength to do so. Sometimes I don't feel courageous. Sometimes I want to pretend that I don't see the incident and walk away. I've struggled with this all my life, having courage. When I finally stood up for the girl, it was a huge moment. I suddenly felt strong. I had the power to stand up for what I knew was right and have no regrets. Who cared if the mean girls didn't want to be my friends anymore? I had done what in my heart I knew was right. That's all that mattered. From that moment on, I knew that I could be a leader. I could stand up for what I believed in and not worry about the outcome. If I had a dream, I could be courageous and chase it. I lost all contact with the bullies as I got older, but it kept in touch with the girl I stood up for. To this day, we're still friends. Some kids feel scared to share their faith with others. I know I did, even more so when I attended Adventist school as a middle schooler. I felt judged as, as if I wasn't cool if I loved Jesus. It actually got better when I went to public school. Everyone does their own thing, and no one really has the energy or need to judge each other because everyone's so different. But it's still hard. It takes courage to share God's love, strength to stand up for him, especially when you're young and even when you're older. I have a friend who is an atheist. He openly told me that God doesn't exist and scoffed when he asked me if I believe God God existed, to which I replied, yes, I do. (laughs) He challenged me to a duel of logic and debate, but I didn't fight back. I let him believe in what he believed in and observed me by my example, hoping that God's love would seep through me to him. My attitude piqued his interest because most Christians he talked to fought back by shoving the Bible in his face and preaching about the love of God and salvation and hell. I wanted to fight back. I really did. My feelings were hurt because of the way he openly opposed God. It would have been easier for me to hand him a Bible and say, look, kid, read up. (laughs) But I prayed and asked God for strength, and he told me to be silent and lead by example. William Shakespeare said, some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. Some have greatness thrust upon them. It's uh, It's up to us what we do with that greatness. When we are hit with an opportunity by God to lead and change, We must be ready to grasp it. We may not have the courage to do it. We may even be afraid, but we must do it. When we see someone in need, it's our job to stand up. Like Samuel Adams, we must have the strength and the courage to step into any situation and be a leader to those around us. Whether that be physical leadership or just through example, we can make a change for the better and fulfill our mission to be servant leaders for Christ. 
This past December, I went to Kerala, India with Pastor Walt and Brenda to help provide a new school for a group of 500 Indian children. This country was blanketed with poverty and pain. Trash covered the streets, and the children played among the dirt and the filth. I was taken aback by the way they played together. Every older boy and girl took care of a smaller boy or girl and kept them under their wing as their own. They treated each other as brothers and sisters, even though they weren't related in any way. I loved the way they watched out for each other. Every day, as I walked to the top of the school property to build a new building that would house 500 students, the mission team built, sanded, and painted the building in the course of two weeks. I discovered how blessed I really am. I became extremely humbled through this whole process. These children were hoping and praying for a new school while I was hoping and praying that school would end sooner. These children had fried bread every morning while I had the option of eating oatmeal, pancakes, fruits, eggs, whatever I wanted. I had two loving and supporting parents. Some only had each other's friendships and the family they formed in the brotherhood and sisterhood of their schoolmates. The children were so eager to learn, so curious to get an education. They were so loving. After work each day, we would converse with the children, learning their interests and quickly becoming their family. A small group of boys around the age 11 or 12 grew especially close to me. After their lessons, they would run to me and be ready to share what they learned that day. I became their older sister, praying with them before their exams and telling them I was proud of them for everything they did. Some of these children did not have parents and no one to share their lives with. By loving them and adopting them in my heart, I began to believe in them. The children who did have parents came from a family line of tea pickers, and this new school was to put a halt to that cycle, providing them with unbelievable possibilities. I believed in them. They would climb the highest mountains, overcome social boundaries, and reach the stars. Here I was, supposed to be helping all the young girls and boys with a determined heart, yet my heart was broken. I was weeping, thinking about the struggles these children faced. They became my family. I loved them. It hurt me to see them like this. I was happy to be able to help build these children a school, but I felt unworthy. Instead of me changing them, they changed me. I was transformed. The love they showed me and the courage they faced every single day ripped my heart open and put it on display for the whole world to see. I dissected my soul and found my insides being aligned by God through the children I came to serve. I felt like the man on the ship, lost at sea, broken and humbled after his lighthouse keeper saved his life. These children showed me what real love was and what it meant to be a true servant. They gave me the courage to make a change and the strength to lead by their example. Now, I don't exactly feel like a servant leader. I don't feel like George Washington bravely and humbly leading our country to freedom. I don't feel like Abraham Lincoln or Frederick Douglass fighting for the freedom of the African-American race. No, I feel small and insignificant compared to them. However, my English teacher, Ms. Schaefer, told me something that inspired me. When I was writing about my trip to India, she said, it takes courage to face the poverty of the world and even more courage to desire to change it. She said that I had courage. I, had cur- I was courageous to fight the poverty of the world. 
and my want to change the situation made me even more brave. I guess I don't have to do something huge to make a difference. I guess a servant leader for God doesn't have to be a leading figure in history. Maybe all I have to do is to be courageous enough to make a change with love. The love I showed the children maybe was enough. God doesn't expect me to conquer the world by myself and give every person a Bible, converting them while healing all their babies. I just need to show love and have the courage to follow God's plan. Grace Point Adventist Church, where God's grace meets your need. We speak of grace. We speak of compassion. We are part of a family. But what good are we if we just share our grace with the people we're comfortable with? What are we preparing ourselves for if we learn about God and are kind and courageous with just each other? The men's group, spreading God's grace by sharing lunches with the homeless. Our community garden, vacation Bible school, Every person here represents God's grace. Every time we stand in a long line at the grocery store and the guy in front of us has 17 items in the 10 item or less line. Every time we drive and someone cuts us off and throws us a dirty look, we represent God's grace. In those moments, we need to be desperately courageous and terribly kind. Our mission is to be a servant leader for Christ. Is there any encouragement for belonging to Christ? any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took up the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated himself to the place of highest honor, and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We are the Lord's workers. We represent him. We are the educated, the ones that follow his ten core values. We are the ones he has called out to change the world. Let's do it. Let's go. (laughs) Let's let God's will be done in our lives. Let him work in us. Lead us to where he wants us to go. Have the kindness of a servant and the courage of a leader. Let's be servant leaders for him. I'm humbled. I have become more loving. My heart has been broken and put back together by small Indian children. I've seen poverty in both the Dominican Republic and India, and I have wept. My life has been changed for the better. My Heavenly Father has changed my life. Maybe this experience, maybe this life I have led thus far will help me to become a better servant leader in the future. Maybe I'll be more accepting. I'll be less judgmental. Maybe I'll want to change the world for the better. Actually, because of this adventure of a life I've been living, I do. I want to make a difference. I want my heart to be broken. I want to say... I have fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And on that beautiful day, when he comes to take us home, I want God to look into my eyes and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servants. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us. Ingrain in us your love, your courage. Help us to be servant leaders for you, to reach to all the nations, sharing your truth. Reveal your personal plan for each of our lives and help us not to forget why we're here. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Join in singing, turn your eyes upon.